Life Audio. Good day, everybody. Welcome to Billy and the Goats. Our show is all about overcoming life challenges, overcoming adversity. Today, we have the opportunity to speak with someone I have known since the fifth grade. His name is Chris Thompson. Captain Chris Thompson, that is. Oh, Captain, my Captain, we've come a long way. Captain Chris Thompson grew up in Washington, D.C. He attended Landon School in Bethesda, Maryland from 5th to 12th grade, along with me, and graduated in 1987. Chris continued his education at the Naval Academy Preparatory School in Newport, Rhode Island. The very next year, he attended the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, and I was right there with him. My man, we made it. We went through some stuff. After graduating from the academy in 1992, Captain Thompson went to Supply Corps School in Atlanta, Georgia, soon after being attached to the USS Independence CV-62 from 1993 to 1995. That is a huge aircraft carrier, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know. Following serving on the USS Independence over the next 28 years, Chris successfully led in various positions on the sea and land. Finally, retiring from active duty, completing 31 years of service in June of 2021. Today, Retired Captain Chris Thompson is Director of Supply Chain for Windland Foods in Oak Brook, Illinois. Chris Thompson, my man, LB, Captain, my captain, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Appreciate all the kind words. It's a pleasure to hook up with you and be on this fantastic podcast, Billy and the Goats. Man, proud to have you, brother. Hey, back in Natey, when we're at when we were at Landon, and I told you we're gonna have a podcast. Thirty-one years after you have, you know, put your time in. Would you believe this? I mean, think about the stuff that you know that we went through where we started. It's amazing. You know, some it's kind of crazy you mentioned that because a part of me would have said like I wouldn't. It's not so much I wouldn't believed it. I probably would have believed it, but whatever your timing was, I wouldn't believe that. So I would believe that you would have the podcast. But if you said, well, I'm going to have this podcast, you know, a year after I graduate or three years, I'd be like, okay, okay, you're going to have it. But the timing, I don't know. But it doesn't matter because the timing is always right. And right now is the perfect time for this podcast. It couldn't have been any later. It couldn't have been any earlier. Right now is the time. And here we are. So Sit. There we are. There we are. Yeah. We'll be we'll be right back. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Welcome back to the show. My first question, brother. Now, we both went to Landon High School. We went, both went to Landon All Boy Public All Boy Private School in Bethesda, Maryland. How did you get to Landon? Wow. Because where you live was a long way from Landon. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So from what I remember, my mom telling me the story. She my mom and my dad went to some type of a a high school fair or something like that. And when they went in there, there were all these different high schools that were there with their booths and their tables and their representatives and so forth. 
And she, I think she went to Sidwell Friends. She talked to them. She went to St. Office. She's went to a couple various schools just looking for. And then she told me she saw over in the corner, like, this one booth, this one guy over there. It was nobody was over there. So she went over there and said, what are you all about? Said, you know, hey, my name is, I don't know if it was Mr. Weiss or Mr. Rillerberger or whoever. I'm not sure who it, but somebody was there and said, yeah, we're landing school for boys, but there's a Maryland. Mom started talking to him, getting this and the other. She's like, well, you know, I have a son who's going in. He's a sixth grader, actually, in sixth grade. And, you know, hey, what's the steps to try to at least, you know, look into it? So I guess the guy gave my mom all the information, this, that, and the other. And next thing I know, I was going to land in one year to take a test. You had to take a test. Right, yep. Interesting. Yep, I th- yep an entrance exam. Mm-hmm. And that was it, man. I mean, yeah, and an interview. Out the blue, totally out the blue. And, yeah, so long story short, I ended up going in there taking the test. And I'll never forget it, man. When I came out, it was weird. I don't know if he graded it right away, but they didn't take long to grade that. And he was like, he did pretty good on the test, but, you know, he's got some deficiencies. <laughs> wow. So, but we like his character. We like what he has, you know, and if you guys are one, we'd like to bring him here. But, comma, he's going to be doing the fifth grade. Not sixth grade. Uh, not sixth grade. He's going to do the fifth grade all over again. I was like, what? And I guess on all this, I don't know. I can't remember if I had a choice or not, but I was like, okay, here it is. That kind of started the whole ball, man. Yeah. That was the same for me. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I was going in the sixth grade. Me too. It's a, uh, <laughs> you, got, you got some areas that you need to touch up on. Yep. So I did the fifth grade all over again, which, of course, a lot of my friends is tough. Who I went, they always a year ahead of me, but. It didn't really make that make much of a difference overall. But, uh, yeah, man. So I ended up being in Landon, and and the rest of that is history. How did you like Landon? I like Landon. I mean, you know, as anything, it has its ups and downs. There were different things about it that I didn't like. It took me a while to get used to just the whole culture. I mean, living in Northwest D.C., you know, going to school from first and fifth grade, the environment I went into, and then having to take two buses and a school bus out there, all white, predominantly all white, all boys. It was just me and you in the class. It was only two black. That's right. It was a culture shock, to say the least. But I think for me, as time went on and I got acclimated, I think it was more positive to me than negative when I look back on it. I feel the same. Like Watts. I mean, you know, I think wherever you go, you know, there's always going to be some stuff that happens. Yeah, right. One thing that sticks out, well, one thing that really sticks out in my mind, we're on the bus, we're on the school bus. Yeah, I know. I know you guys, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm going. Yes. I remember this like it was yesterday, man. And it was just like, it was like one of the most hateful things I've ever, I think I've ever seen. But the way like you handled it, I loved it. So, I'm, and I don't mention any names. I mean, we're on the bus. We're going to school. I don't know if we're going to school or away from doesn't matter. We're on the school bus. And there's a kid behind you, and he kept messing with you. He kept, you know, calling you, you know, dirty names. Mm-hmm. I remember looking. I, I think I was sitting right next to you. I remember looking over you, and I could see that you were crying. Mm-hmm. But you didn't want me to know. So you'd, like, shed a tear, and then your shoulder. Shut a tear, and I was just like, oh, snap. I can't believe this. So the kid kept messing with you, and then he leaned forward one more time. You had your tennis right here. I remember you turning it upside down. Oh, and bust him right in his lip. Man, it was a wrap. Like, he never spoke to you ever again. <laughs> I don't think. Ever again. But you shut that down. Go back to that, man. I know. I remember that. I mean, it was one of those things where, I mean, I'm not sure why, you know, this, I think he was a little bit older. Yeah. And I think, you know, yeah, he was the next grade up. And it's just, you know, like any place else, man, it's bullies, man. There's people that they feel they have somebody they can pick on, they can laugh at. 
And, you know, the, the household that I grew up in, I really didn't grow up in that type of, I guess, a violent type exactly. environment where, you know, I was going to step to someone like that. That's just not how we were brought up. Yeah. But at some point, man, I mean, after you just keep getting picked on and picked on and over, you reach that boiling point. That's it. And, you know, if I don't do something about this now, I'm going to be tormented. And I caught the bus every day. Yeah. And he tormented you every day. Yeah. It went on for a while before that, ha- that finally had to. I don't know why that came up, but it was just like, you got to do something otherwise. And I just did that. It was like almost a reflex. Right. And I can honestly say it worked because I never had ever. I can see. I know who this guy is. I see. I know exactly who he is. And I seen him as we, he never, we just never, it was no more problems after that. Nope. I was, so, I was there. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know where that came from, man. I think it was just one of those, it was survival. I think it was just survival. And that was what I had to do at that time. And I don't remember any repercussions. He didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And life went on, man. So. It was a different time, Chris. Yeah. It was a different time. You know, we were the only two blacks in our class. Wow, that's crazy. The only blacks we saw other than ourselves were the bus drivers. They were doing the lawn or they were back in the kitchen. That was it. That was it. So part of me felt like, I mean, I felt like I was surrounded sometimes, man. I mean, you know what I mean? It was just so different. It was so different. Yeah. Let's go on to Naps and Nibble Academy. Tell, tell me about that experience. Naps. Naps. I guess Naps for me, that they had like that mini plebe summer or that mini That was brutal to me because I don't know exactly what I did or how I came across, but I guess they knew that a lot of athletes came through Naps and somehow... I got identified as a tennis player. Like, you know, oh, so you hot to trot. You you from the you from the tennis club. You from the country club. I don't know how I mean I was trying to keep that joint low key. But they found out, man, and they wore my high pots out running up and down in the dryer, push ups and sit ups, running back. I mean, I was getting like tortured. And I'm gonna look at you. Nobody seemed like going to mess with nobody else, but it was a rites of passage I had to go through, and all I could do was go through it. And once that was over and I kind of settled into the academics, you know, it was just doing time, you know, just doing the time. I, I knew I wanted to get to Naval Academy. I had people there that were waiting for me, you know, the folks that from the tennis team that recruited me. So I just thought I needed to get through, and, you know, I made some good friends, some good people there. Newport was a strange place. I, you know, I went out in town a couple of times, but I don't really remember a lot of going out in town. Man. I just remember just grinding away at academics and trying to survive. And next thing you know, man, they said, hey, look around you. Oh. One out of three, it's like 300 yeah. people in that class. One out of three, you're not going to be here. Are you going to be the one? I was like, what? That scared the crap out of me. And I think we graduated like 212 folks, man. So it was true. Yeah. I was, thank thank God, man, that I was able to make it through that. And I had a great roommate, James Thompson. Right. I remember, yeah. And 3-2 Zoo. Yeah, no, man. It was, you know, it was just getting through that, man. And what a happy day it was to to start I-Day. Amen, bro. That's how I remember it, too, because they knew I was a football player. And any kind of, I care, athlete, football, tennis, track, whatever, they find out you're an athlete, it's on. And I thought it was worse. It was way worse than when we got to plebe summer. I thought so, man. Because they had that one-on-one time with you. Like, they they could focus in on, you know, like, in plebe summer, they kind of spread the wealth a little bit. But for some reason, naps, man, once they keyed in on you. It's a wrap. (laughs) It's a wrap. I was so glad when those second class people left, man, we could start the academic year. It was just like, oh, okay, now I can just focus on my work. 
Yeah, man, that was that was a, a, another rites of passage, I call it. Yes, sir. And on to the academy. Then on to the academy. And on to the academy. So, I don't know, man, so much to say. The academy, I guess for me, the academy was very humbling in a in a weird way because I think, like, coming from D.C., coming from inner city, I still think I had a lot of stereotypes in my mind about whites and blacks. You know, my dad was from Camden, South Carolina, a small country town, so he had that mentality. My mom, not so much because she was from the islands, so she didn't really see race in the same way. But my dad was a very strong influence on me. But when I went to the academy, a lot of that, I mean, Atlanta, it definitely broke. I mean, I, I started to open up and see some things that were different. But at the academy, I think it really, really opened my eyes that, you know, there were some genuine people, you know, whether you be white or you're black, you know, white boys can really run fast too. You know, it's not, you, you know, you kind of think like, I don't know, you just said, you know, I was like, you were in a bubble, but the academy really opened me up that, man, people can do all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. From all, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it was like, before I was just like, you know, it's just, all, you know, this is a black, white thing, but now, when I got there, I was like, oh, okay, wow. And that really helped me because then I realized, oh, I can ask these guys for help. I can get help in math. I can get help in physics. I can get, right. you know, and they have no problem helping you. Right. So I, I think that was an eye opener there. And of course, you know, tennis was like a huge part of my four years there. I mean, I played on a tennis team for four years. That was in the fall and the spring. So it never ended. It wasn't like some sports that a fall sport or a winter sport. It was literally all year. So I was heavily involved in that. And that was a big part of my, I mean, I didn't really get seriously involved in the military aspect of it. I was just going there, trying to study hard, trying to play tennis and just keep going. I think, and I think that's why, at least for me, when I got out and graduated, I really got into the military aspect of the Navy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because while I was there, like some people, while they were there, they were really into the military part. Right. But I really wasn't. I was just, I wore the uniform every day. I got through the week. I was trying to keep my grades going, playing tennis, and just just surviving, just trying to have a good time when I can. But it, I was just all encompassing. If it wasn't tennis, it was academics. If it wasn't academics, it was tennis. And then I had a little bit of time to have a little fun in between. But I was one of those people that I wasn't, I didn't think about being an admiral, being an ensign, what the military, I was just like, I just need to graduate. And then next thing you know, graduation came. And then when I got into the military side of it, I was like, oh, okay, this is what I was all about. And then that kind of started that journey. Well, you did it the right way, you know? I mean, we had our heads down. I had my head down, you had your heads down, right? Some people missed, they thought that like, the Naval Academy was the military. And I remember some people saying, look, this is not the military. <laughs> this is not yeah. the military. So you'll find out. And then we did, you know. Let's go back to tennis. Didn't they vote for captain? Come oh, on, man. That was the craziest thing that ever happened. So this is, a, this is, a, this, I think this is very humbling for me. So, in high school, I was the captain of the tennis team my senior year. And I went to NAPS, I was the captain of the tennis team there. We went undefeated. So coming to the Naval Academy, you know, I didn't really think about it, but it was almost like I know that I'm playing my freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year. Not that it, I knew there were other seniors there, but I was just saying, hey, you know, I want to be captain of the Naval Academy tennis team. So... I, I can't remember. I think how they basically did it was the team basically voted for who the captain was. And I remember that day specifically. You all kind of get a little sheet of paper and you write down, you know, Chris Thompson, Wayne Jang, Ephraim Mojica, whoever it is. They put it all in this pot. The coach gets it. He doesn't do it right then. He takes it back with him. I guess they count the votes up. And I got the call from Coach John Officer, I'll never forget, saying, hey, Chris, congratulations. 
you're the new captain of the tennis team. Congratulations. So I was super excited. I had my three bars. I put my bars on. I had my three bars, my lieutenant bars, whatever. And that was it. So maybe for like, what was crazy, I was the captain, Bill, for like a couple of weeks. It wasn't like, like a couple of days. It was like a week, two weeks. I was waiting all around. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but we got a call from the from the coast to say we got to do a revoke. I don't. Th- I think one of the guys on the team, I gonna say names. I guess complain. I'm not sure if he polled different people. Like Bill, who did you vote for? Who did you vote for? And whatever information he got, it was enough to convince the coach that they needed a revoke, which was insane. So long story short, everybody got together, did a revo, and this time around was not the same. I was not the captain. It was given to somebody else. And took the bars off. Took the bars off. How embarrassing that is at the company level. And man, that was one of the most devastating things that happened to me because it was like, it was literally taken from me, man. Yeah, yeah. Literally. It, I wasn't, and then I was not it. Yep. And I stood, man. I was never right that whole senior year. My whole tennis game was not right. The team was not right. We had beaten the Army my freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year. My senior year, we lost. The team was just jacked because I was, I was, I, I refused to, Look past it. I refuse to be bigger than that. I was just, I I just couldn't get right, man. I just, and the whole team suffered. And, you know, it's just a disaster, man. And it is what it is, but it hurt. But I learned a lot from that, though. I learned a lot from that. I learned that, I learned the effect that I could have. I learned that leadership is not always by the title. Because even though I wasn't the captain in title, I was such a sour person on that team. I just impacted everybody, Bill. Because, you know, sometimes you can have a sour person and people can override that person. Oh, yeah. And say, he saw great. But nah, they couldn't do it with me. I came in there with my hair down and the whole team's hair was down. And they couldn't turn it around. And I said to myself, Dad, this is the kind of impact that I had. Let's say I had really decided to say, hey, forget that. I'm just going to still lead. I want to still, I could have been a totally different influence on the team, but I wasn't there mentally. I, I, I just didn't have that in me. And they fed off that negatively. You've never had, you've never experienced anything like that before. I had never experienced that. I was always the man. Yeah. And I couldn't get over it. I played hard, but I could not get over it, man. And it impacted everybody on that team in a negative manner. And, you know, it was one of those things where and, and it, it impacted it so bad that after we after I graduated, I didn't pick up a tennis racket, man. I was kind of happy to get out in the fleet. I was away from tennis. I was burnt out. I was just like, I, need, I just can't wait to just get away from tennis and get away from everything that had to do with it. And I probably didn't pick up a racket, man, until 10, 12, 13, 15 years later. Wow. You were broke. Yeah. You broke. So. And outside looking in, Chris, I always thought that you were going to, I mean, had you not gone to Naval Academy, you know, a different path. Right. You would have you gone pro. Yeah. You were that focused. Like, you yeah. were, you were one of the most focused, dialed in student athletes. I knew. So I know what you're talking about. So when they took that from you, that, that's the thing. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Like, I I didn't, I didn't know that happened. Yeah, man. I was the captain of the team, man. They took it away. And the crazy thing about it, I remember calling my mom. And I was like, Bobby, you're not going to believe this. They took the captain away from me. And. What my mom told me, it didn't really console me, but now looking back on it, I'm just saying, wow, how, how wise that was. She was like, what do you, what's the, she didn't see the big deal. She was like, okay, like, 
And like, what, what are you so upset about? I'm like, mom, I mean, you don't understand. I was a captain of the tennis team. I mean, I don't even know if there was ever just being a captain is great. Being the African-American captain, just the prestige of it. She's like, man, she said, this is what she said. If that's the worst thing that ever happens to you in your entire life, you're going to have a great life. I was like, the world is coming to an end, girl. <laughs> she was like, hey, if that's the worst thing that happens to you in your life, oh my God. God bless you, man, because that doesn't mean a same old thing. You, you trip it off of something. So I kind of took that. It maybe gave me a little consolation. I mean, I still played hard. I still tried to do the best I could. You know, obviously, from a tennis standpoint, you know, I got all kinds of awards and in the Tennis Hall of Fame. But that really, even all those things I got, it just, it was still a sour gritty. I had a sour taste in my life, man. Yeah. And, you know, but hey, that is what it is. And I learned from that. First of all, I think I learned, it, it, humbled, it humbled me. So I learned humbleness. And I learned that a leader is more than just a title. Amen. And I've hopefully been able to take that everywhere I've been. And, you know, I think that was a big part of what attributed to a, a big part of my success in the military, becoming a captain, all that is being able to be humble and never letting that rank, whether it be lieutenant commander, commander, captain, I didn't let that define who I was. And I think that's why I was able to have that success because I never let it get to my head. Once I became a cap, I, I became the captain in real life, maybe. Oh, there you go. Not the captain of the tennis team. And I would remain humble, treated people well, led by example, was a role model and uplifted everybody. And it, it just, it was a beautiful story at the end. And I think, I don't know if I would have learned that if I had gotten everything that I had won. So it was a, a teaching moment. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's fantastic, man. That's fantastic. But you had every reason to be upset, mad, pissed off, whatever you want to call it. You know, like the closest that to that kind of hurt, I think, that you felt. And, you know, we dealt with a lot of stuff was me not being saluted. You know, as a junior officer, I was on my way. Mm. And the two, two enlisted guys are approaching me. So, you know, when you're as an officer and you see enlisted, you know, like you kind of prepare yourself towards salute. I mean, that's just. Exactly. Right. That's just. Yeah. Part of it. Right. So I'm walking and then they pass me. And I just went, I couldn't believe it. Like a couple of people prepared me. They said, look, when you get on the fleet, they said, look, this is not the fleet. When you get in the fleet, it's a totally different story. You're going to have people that not want to wait and listen to people that want, want to salute you. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yep. And it happened. And I just, I went from, I can't believe this just happened to turn around and saying, excuse me, do I rate a salute? Oh, sorry, sir. We didn't see you. I'm like, come on, man. 
you know? So anyway, it's, I'm so glad that, you know, things turned out a lot differently, you know, for you going, you know, when you really became like the real captain, yeah. you know, 06 in the Navy, you know, yeah. Yeah. that's, that's a much bigger deal. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I know you've always had a strong faith. Always had a strong faith. And I think it has everything to do with, obviously, your parents. Your father was a pastor. I had no idea what your father was a pastor until many years later. How does your faith, like, who was your go-to when you, in at, at, at Landon, at Naps, at the Academy, you know, when you really needed, when you were down, you know, who, who was your go-to? Was it God? Did you pray? You know something? This is going to sound really strange, but first of all, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. We go to church every Sunday, and we go to church Sunday afternoon, and they also had an evening service. So you go to church at 11 o'clock with 11 to 1.30, come home, relax, eat, watch the football games, chat, then get dressed again and go back to church for 6 o'clock. So I grew up like that. On Saturdays, we had something called Sunshine Band, which is basically kids get together, age 12 and under. I went through that, went to junior. I mean, I did all the little, it was in the youth choir. So it was just kind of a part of my life. But I don't, I'm not, I won't say I'm like some people that said, you know, I was saved at eight years old and I was preaching the gospel at 12 years old. It wasn't like that for me. I just grew up in the church. So I knew about God. I knew about right and wrong. But I wouldn't say I was saved and speaking in tongues or our stuff. It was just a lifestyle. And I knew right from wrong. So I did that all through high school. And the church was a weird thing in that it was a protector in the sense that I wasn't really able to get into things, Bill, that other people were able to get into speaking specifically about girls and parties. I mean, I tried to go when I could, but it just wasn't the lifestyle that I grew up in. Right. You're in a different path. So I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I never really, like, I didn't really so-called start sowing my wild oats, if you will, until I got into the ship on my ship at 23 years old. So from high school even through the academy, I had a few little day, but even the academy, how much, how much can you really do with the schedule that I had? Exactly. It really wasn't until I went to supply corps school, graduated from there, and got on my shit where I was truly, I guess you could say, free. So here I am, 22 years old, ensign in Japan, by myself. So that was really kind of the place where I got to experience going out to Tokyo and all these different things that I didn't really have. So I was kind of a late bloomer in in a sense. But I say all that to say there was not but so much there. Even with all that, I could tell that the way I grew up, there wasn't but so far I would go. Yeah. You You know what I mean? Yeah, because you grew up differently. I grew up there, even though it was, I had much freedom, I had a chance to do whatever I wanted to do. And yeah, I dib and dab. Everyone's going to dib and dab because it's new. But ain't but so far you going to go because you know, this is not how I grew up. This is not right. This is not what my mom and dad would be proud of me doing. So I always had some guardrails on me, even through all that. And then lo and behold, when I... Finished my tour on the ship. I got stationed in Norfolk, Virginia. And Norfolk, Virginia, we it just the Lord blessed in that we had a church there. Because we had a church in D.C. And one of our affiliated churches in Norfolk was in Norfolk. This, you know, because in my Reformation, we have like 30 churches. And they're all over the place. The one I grew up in was in D.C. So when I got to Norfolk, the Lord blessed me that there was a church there, and I I attend that church right away. Yeah. And my boy James, who I didn't, I knew him from the D.C. church, but we weren't close. We would just see each other. What's up, man? 
and I met James there, met the church family there. Elder J.D. Burris, who was a real close friend of my family, he was there. And so I just got back into the church in Norfolk, and so you were that was that. So, so, so it's like I, it's almost like I did like a two-year wilderness fit, kind of, getting that kind of all out of my system. But the Lord saw fit that, hey, I can't keep this cat. I was thinking I'm not going to stay out in Japan, you know, you know, but he said, I'll get back to Norfolk. So Norfolk had a home church. I back, I, so I got back in the way, got back to guardrails, and, uh, you know, that, that, that was that. But kind of to answer your question, all through the academy, there's this place inside, is it Rotunda Hall? Mm. I don't know if you know this, if you go to Rotunda Hall, off to the side, there's like a little small chapel there. There's like a little, like, if you go into, you see the big rotunda, like, but if you go off to, you know what I'm talking about? But if you go to the side, there's like a little enclave where it's like a little bench that it's like, I don't know if it's Catholic, but I would go into that little spot and I would pray. I would ask the Lord to help me on my test, help me with my exams, help me, you know, just help me. And that was a quiet spot that I would do. I would go by myself. And I did that because my mom, every time I talked to her, she'd always say, put God first. Make sure you're saying your prayers. Try to read your Bible. And that was my way of just getting into like a consistent routine. And that was a big, that was a big, big anchor for me, man. I didn't really go to anybody, but that was just a little place I could go. And every now and then I would go to the chapel, but I wasn't really into the chapel. I would just go to this little chapel and just pray and, and meditate and ask God to help me. And I did that consistently. And I think, man, that was a big part. I think that really helped me get through the academy, of course, with the prayers of the saints. My mom, I had so many people praying for me and, and asking the Lord about me, asking the Lord to help me, that I, I felt that I was just like lifted up. And that was a little bit I could do. And I think that was a big part of my success at the academy. And then a big part is my success going forward. Even, even out in the fleet at Norfolk, it's like I learned, and, I, and I've learned this even more and more, is that the Bible says that man looks at the outside, but God looks at the inside. Yeah, inside, that's it. That's everything, brother. And even if, no matter what you're doing on the outside, it could be wrong. It could be against God's word. But a lot of times you're doing those things out of ignorance, out of weakness. You're not doing those things spitefully. You're not doing it to hurt somebody or because you're trying to. It's just you're weak and you don't know what you're doing. You're ignorant. And God knows that. He knows that because he made you. He's just waiting for the right opportunity to turn you inside out and turn you from that and for you to come into the knowledge that, hey, there's another way. There's a better way. And that's how you know God is so merciful and graceful and his mercy and kindness is just unbelievable because, you know, as soon as somebody does something wrong, we want to get all over them. How can you do that? Yeah, you just want to, and then you have to take, wait a second, let me slow back and sit back and say, wait a second, where did I come from? How merciful has God been to me? Look at all the things that I've done. What if my skeletons in my closet were revealed to the world? All those things, man, I I learned, and the Lord brought that to me, and it just changed my whole life because the Bible, I mean, the Bible has just been a huge foundation, I mean, if you read the Bible and the Lord blesses you to understand some pieces of it, it's wisdom in that thing that's just out of this world, man. And the more you study it, the more you read it, the more you learn it, the more the Holy Spirit gives you some type of understanding. You realize that the Bible says some men's sins are outward. You can see them. You see where people do things. And so you judge them. Other men's sins are internal. You'll never know. You see me walking around, you think I'm a saint. Nah. It's no different, though. 
you go rob a bank, I cut somebody up by line. You hit someone in the face, I commit adultery. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. And once you realize that, you realize like, wow, I'm no better than nobody, man. That's it. I'm not better than nobody because I know what I've done. And so now I can forgive you because I know what kind of person. So, yeah, man, faith has been a huge part of my life. And as I've gotten older, it's gotten stronger and stronger. But it's it's different levels to the game. And, you know, I've started off with none, but the Lord has blessed me to continue to grow. And I'm grateful for that, man, because it didn't have to be that way. There's another way it could have been. That's right. That's yeah. right. Man, talk about your talk about your wife, you know, how you you know, and, and your kids. I know you Yeah, so I mean I, I've been blessed, man, to have a fantastic wife, Michelle. I met her in Norfolk. Um her dad was a merchant seaman on the USNS Sirius. And I was stationed in Norfolk and we met in Norfolk on base. I used to go to the to the galley there and there was this lady who I would pay my money for the galley food, she'd always talk to me and say, hey, are you single? Are you single? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I got somebody I want you to meet. I got somebody I want you to meet. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know how that is. Yeah. But eventually she she said she had a friend and it was Michelle. We met up, went on that date, went to the movies or something. And we pretty much been kicking it ever since, man. I mean, we dated for three years in Norfolk. We got married in Norfolk, August 1st, 1998. You at my wedding. Yeah, for me. And uh, she has been there with me from the beginning. The ups and downs, the good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty. She has been there. And, uh, you know, between Brianna, Chris, and Christian, those are the, you know, my three kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, she's been, she's been, she's been the rock because with them, as you know, in the military, you travel a lot. I was, I, I decided to, after Norfolk, I was still active duty. I was supposed to go to a ship, and I was like, man, I know what the ship life is like from being in Japan. I'm married now. I'm getting out. I, I'm not going to go back out to sea because I know that lifestyle. So when I got out, I stayed in the reserves, and I got a job, a civilian job, working for Colgate Palmolive out of Atlanta, Georgia. And we moved from Norfolk down to Atlanta. And, you know, we, we, we moved down there. She left her family in Norfolk, Virginia. And we started our life down in Atlanta, Georgia. We had Chris and Christian down there in Georgia. And Brianna was going to... And it was a great thing. September 9-11 came. I was in the reserves. I got recalled back to active duty. And I went overseas for from 2001 to 2003, almost two years. Wow. And she was down in Georgia. She packed everything up and she moved back to Virginia with her family. So while I was over, she was up in Virginia. And I'll never forget, when I left December of 2001, because September was happening, September was September 2001, I got deployed December 2001, two months later. Christian was like a baby in a crib. And when I came back home in September 2003, I came home like once in between them. Basically, I was gone for two years, and I was all over the place. I was in Iraq. I was in Jebali. I was in Dubai. I was all over the Middle East. And she held the fort down, and that whole time I came back. And then we moved back down to Georgia. got a house. And so Michelle has been, she's been absolutely fantastic for me. It's always a nice feeling, man, when you don't have to worry about, like, you know, I never, like a lot of guys I was overseas, they were worrying about what their wives were doing, all the craziness of that. Yeah, that's another. Uh, I was very blessed, man, that I didn't have to worry about that, and I knew that she was taking care of what needed to be taken care of, and yeah, and so now here we are, you know, 25 years later, all the kids are grown. The baby is getting ready to graduate from the Naval Academy. Wow. Following Alma Mater, that just the Lord blessed me there because I never pushed the Academy. I never pushed the Navy on the kids, but I exposed all three of them to it. Brianna, she could have gone to summer seminar. She decided not to. 
Chris was a great baseball player. He went to the Naval Academy baseball camp, had a great experience, but his he just his head wasn't in the right space in terms of the academy. And then Christian, he went to summer seminar. I wanted to at least expose them all, but let them make their own decisions. And Christian went after summer seminar. He's like, Dad, I got to go to the academy. I mean, this is this is nothing. And he was the one that went that route. So, you know, the Lord has his plan, man, and 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 blessed us that all the kids, you know, Grant graduated from the University of South Florida, Chris graduated from FAU, Christian graduated from Naval Academy, Brianna got her master's degree, Chris is working for Napa Auto Parts in the Executive Management Program, and Christian is going to graduate as Second Lieutenant Marine Corps. I can't ask for anything more, man. The Lord has blessed us above measure. And, you know, Michelle has been a big part of that as their mother. And I've just tried to play my part. And, you know, I think a big part of it, we play our parts. You know, I play my role. I don't try to get involved in her role. And she plays her part, if you will. And I don't try, she doesn't try to get involved in mine. And I think when that comes together, you kind of have that, that whole yin-yang, cold person concept, which I think has been a big part of being able to bless us as a family. God bless Cap. Yeah. Well, the apple first apple not fall too far from the tree, right? <laughs> yeah, they got great leaders, so you got great kids. And I'm so thankful that you said, you know, what you said about as far as your kids and exposing them to 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 the academy and different things and letting them make the decision. Because I and instantly when you said that, I went back to Cleve Summer, one of our classmates. You know, we were on eighth. I think we were on five three. There was a company above us. My company was on 5-4, and the kid in the Marine Corps family, remember, he jumped. Yeah. And made suicide because he wanted to leave, Like right? He wanted to come home, but they made him say. So anyway, man, that's, that's, that's fabulous. I wanted to talk about, I, I wanted to talk about Angela, your sister, talk about your family. So Angela, my baby sister, Angela, she's... I was born in 68. She's born in 71, so three years older than her. Angela's a great sister. Growing up with her, that's a big brother. It's always fun to have a sister. She went to Wilson High School in D.C. She elected, you know, my mom was trying to get her to go the college route, but that wasn't her thing. You know, she, the Lord blessed her at that time to get on with the Federal Reserve out of high school. I think she started off in the mailroom. And worked there, and then next up she got a, a position with the Federal Reserve Bank. And, man, she did, like, 30 years there. She did 30 years there. Ended up retiring from there, I think, about maybe four years ago. You know, retired. All the governors and everyone gave her a nice send-off certificate, and she retired from there. And, unfortunately, we're not, not sure exactly how this happened because she— wasn't she never smoked she came down with lung cancer and she got diagnosed with lung cancer probably about six or seven years ago and she's basically been battling that man for that long a time and various chemotherapies various new age type procedures they've done on her from johns hopkins and nothing I don't want to say it hasn't worked, but it never eradicated the tumor. She had a tumor in her lungs, and it was kind of weird. The way the tumor is, it's so close to her lungs and so attached to it that everyone was always fearful to operate because that was one of the things. Can we operate and try to remove the tumor? But, you know, when you operate, there's, there's no guarantee. You could take part of it, could still be a part left. You know, could they take a lung? So... She elected not to go that route, and she's just been battling that for a long time. So, and here it is, six, seven years later, you know, she had to retire from the the vet. And, you know, you know, you never know how, how the Lord, you don't know how long people have, but, you know, it's been pretty bad. She's basically at this point, it's like stage four, it can't, lung cancer tumor. So it's just, you know, it's a time thing now. So. You know, she's had her ups and downs with it, obviously being pretty young. She's got a young family. Her oldest son, Joel, 
he joined the army. He graduated from from boot camp. He went IT route, went down to Georgia, went through the whole IT cyber thing, graduated. Now he's stationed up in Fort Houston, so he's doing well. And the youngest son, Jordan, she had Jordan. Really, I think Jordan's a fifth, no, fourth or fifth grader now. Uh, he's doing well. She's married to Jack. So the family's doing well. It's just tough because, you know, she's been in and out of hospitals and, you know, trying to continue to fight this thing. So right now she was at Georgetown. I talked to my mom a couple of days ago. She was at Georgetown. Now she's out of Georgetown. She's back at the rehab. And I think the decision was made that she's going to leave the rehab and go back to my mom's house. So she's going to be in my mom's house. My mom's going to take care of her uh, until, you know, Lord sees fit. So tough situation, man. I talk to her a lot. We text, you know, I try to encourage her. She's tough. I mean, I think a normal person would have probably been the Lord to take them because you have to fight this thing. It's a fight, basically. If you give up, then you got to give up. But she's got a lot to live for and she's continuing to fight. And that's what I try to encourage her to continue to do is fight and take every day and, you know, see what the next day is going to bring. Live every day to the fullest. And that's what she's doing. So she's got a strong faith. Yeah, she's got a strong faith, and she. That's everything. That's everything. That's everything. That's everything. So, but she's a great sister. Always supported me, and we have a pretty, we have a great relationship. Always. Yeah, Angela is. She's she's good people. God bless her, brother. We're 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 playing part. We're playing. Yeah, please do. You know, through through church. We're about to wrap this thing up, man. I know your dad had a huge. Your parents had a huge influence on on both of you. You know, you, especially your dad, especially tennis, you know, coming up and he passed away a few years ago. How was, how would you describe your relationship, you know, and how he was able to, to lead and, you know, and it's not provide, but to be a leader to you, to learn from him. So my dad, my dad and I relationship was interesting in that growing up, I was really afraid of, because he was a strong disciplinarian. He was a very strict disciplinarian because he grew up that way. His dad was a very harsh disciplinarian. And so that's kind of how he grew up. I grew up with that. So I was kind of scared of the guy. But he would do anything for me. I mean, whatever I was interested in, he supported me. But he had, he was very disciplined. He had the way he liked to do things, you know. And now that I look back on it, I appreciate it because a lot of things the way I am today in terms of being disciplined, being focused, he was a great provider. He went to work. He wasn't a complainer. I see myself taking on a lot of those same qualities. But the beautiful thing I think about my dad, which I really like to talk about, is that once I left home, our relationship was much closer, much stronger, and much better because then it wasn't really like a father-son. He felt, he acted that way while I was there because that's really what it was, a father-son. But once I left home and I came back, I, he was still my father, but he was more like, hey, you're grown now. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to make decisions for you. I'm done. I set the foundation. Now it's on you. And because of that, we were able to talk about things and I was able to open up more and be myself because I was my own man. And he didn't, he welcomed that. A lot of fathers, right, a lot of fathers, even when their kids are 20, 30, they still have that fear. Like, but that was only while I was living there under his roof. Once I left, man, my dad, I'd come home, we'd talk, we'd laugh, we'd talk about sports. If I asked him for advice about my marriage or advice for my kids, he would give it to me, but he never was a pride. That, hey, you your old man. I, you saw how I did my thing. So my dad was a, a wonderful influence. He supported me in everything I did, always gave me good advice. But I think the biggest thing I learned from him was just how to... I think the, I think the biggest thing I learned from him was as a man... You just have a duty to do. It's just a duty. It's not about getting accolades and somebody patting you on the back. Because that's kind of how what I wanted initially. 
Because you don't really know. If you get married, you want to get credit. Like, I'm working and I'm supporting you and I'm paying the rent. And I'm getting food. I'm buying you this. I'm, I, should get, I should be getting some kudos. Yeah, shiny objects. Yeah. Huh? Worldly stuff. Yeah, no. That's your job, man. As a man, you take that on. You do your job. Whether people say thank you or whether they don't say thank you. You don't stop you from doing what you got to do. And I realized, wow, my dad, that's what he did. Through the ups and downs, the disappointments, being a man is being a man. And you got to provide for your family. You got to take care of your children. You have to love your wife. You can't let all these things change who you are. And my dad was really the epitome of that. Even in his sickness, you're going to get sick. We're, we're not going to be around here all the time. It's no sense in complaining. Do the best you can. So those are, he just left such a strong frame for me. And I try to leave that same frame for my sons too, is that, you know, be a man and be a man of your word, be a man of faith. If you have faith in God, you have trust in God, then lean on him. You can't lean on nobody else but him because everybody else is leaning on you. And he, he really left that. And I thank, I thank God for him because I know a lot of people didn't have that type of role model. Amen. I remember your, your dad was 100%. Your dad scared me. Okay. So, I don't remember that this or not, but I remember you made the mistake of talking back to your mother. Oh. And she, your mom said, she said, okay, wait till your daddy get home. Wait till he gets home. I mean, I'm not going to say what, what happened, but you never hear daddy. How can I? My dad was old school. Bro, you never did that again. My dad was old guy. He believed in that Bible verse and said, spare the rod, spoil the child. That rod of correction, boy, he believed in that. That would drive foolishness far away from him, and it did. Amen. <laughs> hey. Oh, the other thing, real quick, man, before we... You, you know, you remember when we played tennis, right? Yeah, I do, of course. Yeah. yeah. I remember, no, I remember when you kicked my butt in the tournament. Yeah. You beat yeah. 6060. <laughs> Why do you always bring that up, man? Because, man, I'm still mad about that. We got to, I, I want to rematch. And then, hey, man. So my dad left. Then I had to get a ride. Your dad had a ride with us. Yes. Taking McDonald's. I don't want to ride with you. I don't want the McDonald's. I don't know. I was so mad. I was crying. I was so, anyway. I just, I just had to let you know. I'm still thinking about that. Amen. I have fallen back. I've been playing. I got back into tennis. I've been playing tennis now probably seriously for the last three years. It's been so much fun. I'm, I'm on a team here. I'm on a couple of different teams. Wow. I'm playing singles. I'm playing doubles. I got myself. I lost some weight. I got back in shape. So tennis, it's been like a rejuvenation because all the kids are gone. I have time. I'm going to Orlando. Michelle, she traveled with me. I played this tournament. So it's been a lot of fun, man, getting back into it and playing and competing at this age. It's been a lot of fun. So it's been nice to renew my love of the game. And, yeah, man, next time I come up there, get, get your, I hope you ain't still got them, them rackets and all. Please don't tell me you got a needle. Can oh, gosh. Let's go. Kniesel, I'm ready. Yeah. Get yourself some rackets, man. <laughs> and I'll bring some down. We got to get out there. I saw you, man. You, you don't want that inspired me. I said, man, this man put a video out indoors, still had your strokes. Tommy was a little bit off, but it didn't take long, did it? Before you, you never forget it. No, sir. You never forget No, sir. So, uh, hey, real quick, give some parting words, man, on, on a nugget of, of, for people going through stuff to ha help them navigate life. Amen. The only nugget I can give that comes to the top of my mind, the Bible verse says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. My nugget would be, no matter what it is that you're doing, I don't care what it is you're doing, put God first. Ask God, how can he get the glory out of this? I'm going to take it a step further. This is controversial, but I will take it a step further. Even in your wrongdoing. When you know you're going someplace you're supposed to, you tell God. It says in all thy ways, God, I'm going to this bar right now. I know it's not right. Help me do this. I'm going over to this person's house. I know it's not right. Help me do this. 
I'm doing this. And everything you do, put God first. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he will change your life and things will start happening for you that you will not believe because he is not somebody that you can ask him and is going to keep you in that path. So that's my word and parting advice to everybody. Put God first in everything you do and he'll sure come and see about you. It is written. Amen. Amen. My man, thank you. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for the honor and the privilege of being on this podcast. I've enjoyed the episodes I've heard before, and I hope this one is also a success if it's the Lord's will. It is. Amen. Amen. Allow me to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and much, much more. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.